0: Now, now, Real People, Real Opinions, Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan.
1: Ireland's classic hits radio.
0: Ashley Easter is a cult survivor turned abuse survivor advocate. She's the founder and CEO of Courage 365, a nonprofit profit focused on supporting survivors of abuse, especially those harmed in faith contexts. She's also a TEDx speaker, author and television producer focusing on stories of meaning she also has a life coaching business focused on helping her clients trust their intuition after trauma. And she joins me on the line. Ashley, good evening to you. Hi, I'm so
2: glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: You're so welcome. And, you know, I've spoken to somebody many, many years ago who is trapped in a religious cult. And it's, it must have been the most traumatic thing. But let, let's go back in time you know, right back to, you know, when this all started for you. And when, when did this, I suppose, very negative aspect of your life start?
2: Well, I was actually born into it. So a lot of people are recruited into high control cult-like communities, but for me, I was born into it. And so I think from the time I was two weeks old, I was in that church until I escaped when I was 22 by getting married.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And and what's the name of the particular religion, by the way, that you were involved in?
2: Well, so there's actually some different layers to it. And as with most cults, they kind of have their own insider lingo. Cults kind of come up with their own words and definitions. So if I can just give you like a quick overview, that'll be a little bit easier than just saying what religion it was.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's fair enough.
2: Okay. Okay, so the denomination of um, Christian Church, it was, was Independent Fundamentalist Baptist. And um, the closest kind of thing that I can describe, like if somebody were to see that in the media, there's a documentary that came out last month on HBO Max called Let Us Pray, P-R-E-Y. And it was about the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church. So lots of strict rules. Lots of very strict gender roles for what women were Mm -hmm. not allowed to do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Lots of things were off limits. But in addition to that, I was also homeschooled. And homeschooling can be a good choice for some people, um, Mm -hmm. but it can also, in some cases, be used as a tool of isolation. And that really was my experience. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about
0: that. I I have mixed feelings about homeschooling because some people do it for the wrong reasons rather than the right reasons. Uh, and the wrong reasons, exactly. of course, is you're depriving somebody of those social skills of interacting with other people. Um, and look, I understand why some people might want to do it because they don't want to expose the children to some of the stuff that might be out there in society that might not be too mm-hmm. good for us. So I kind of get that. But sometimes you're depriving them of the basics, too. Um, so when you were growing up as a young child, obviously you talk about it being, I suppose, some sort of patriarchal uh, society where mm-hmm. basically you felt your only role in life as a woman was to grow up, get married, and reproduce. Is that kind of how you felt at that time?
2: I did, and that's kind of the other term that I wanted to describe. We are um, also what I would call being a part of something called the quiverful movement. And so basically they take this Bible verse out of context in the book of Psalms that says something to the effect of children are like arrows in a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And the group took that quite literally to mean to be a blessed man, you should have a lot of arrows in your quiver, a.k.a. children, and then shoot them out like arrows into the world to sink into different sectors of society, like the home, church, schools, business, um, media, uh, politics, so we could dominate the world with this patriarchal, quote-unquote, Christian view of... um, yeah, of patriarchy and um kind of dominate the world through overpopulation with those messages. So, yes, from a young age, I believed that my father was going to pick out who I married. I believed that I would have lots of children um, mm-hmm. and that that would be pretty much what my role in life would be allowed to be.
0: And were you and allowed, were you allowed to have friends? I mean, you know, when you were young, sort of, you know, teenager, I suppose, a young teenager, 12, 13, were you allowed to have friends, boys or girls, or was that boys strictly out of bounds until your family decided who you were going to be with? Were you allowed to have other friends?
2: Well, the friends that I had were from the church or um, were also homeschooled similarly. So that was kind of the thing with some people who went to the church. They maybe went to the Christian school that was associated with it, which Mm -hmm. personally I think has some problems too. But being homeschooled, like my only real interactions for the majority of my life were with people who are in the church or people who are homeschooled like us and kind of had similar belief systems
0: and was it quite a disciplined life i mean were you kind of up at seven o'clock in the morning with the trumpets blowing out and doing your exercises and then you know (laughs) in for your homeschooling and then off to church at lunchtime or whatever was it was it very disciplined
2: it was disciplined in a lot of ways but not the ways that you mentioned Mm. so for instance it wasn't that we had to get up at a certain time in the morning but there was a lot of discipline in the sense that there were a lot of rules about what was allowed or not allowed. And so many things that were normal to other people were off limits to us, like a lot of movies were off limits to us, um, books that were not, you know, approved. Okay. Um, and who was, was the, who was the approver?
0: Who, who, was there a leader that was the approver? I mean, who was the approver or just your parents?
2: Uh, one of my parents, but my grandfather was also a pastor in the church, and so I feel like he had a lot of influence. Okay. But, um, you know, it's this sort of thing where when you're inside that group, like you don't know everything that's on the outside. I
0: was going to, I was, that was my next so, question. What do they tell you about the yeah, outside world?
2: Right. So my idea was that um, people in the outside world were ungodly and rebellious and that most other Christian denominations weren't really Christian, or if they were, they were backslidden. Like we did not believe that Catholics were Christians. We did not believe that Methodists were, um, very strong Christians. We we were very judgmental Mm -hmm. and that, and so even, you know, particularly secular people that was just like, Oh my, that's, that's really, um, really out there and i didn't really interact with them much um and back to the books thing so it was like you know we read books but they were usually things that had like a quote christian worldview to it so that our science books didn't teach us evolution or our history books gave us a very skewed understanding of the world and put like a particular spin on it that our group agreed with so it wasn't like just Like everyone else. Yeah.
0: And did you, did you have radio or TV or was that limited and restricted as well?
2: Yes, we had those things, but for radio, we only really listened to, um, gospel music or hymns.
1: Yeah.
2: And not even like, not even like contemporary Christian music, just, um, the two kinds (laughs) (laughs) of gospel and hymns. And then, um, For television, we did have that, but it was very restricted what we could watch. And when I was 18, that was like the first time I would ever even see somebody on the screen kiss, because if there was a kiss, we had to close our eyes. You know, things like Harry Potter or um, some of the very common ones, those were not allowed. We couldn't watch Cinderella from Disney because that had magic in it. So. Yes, we had the technology, but it was very restricted in how we were allowed to use it. God,
0: I mean, you're, you're not growing up in the real world. It reminded me of that movie, The Village. Remember that, that movie where the wall was around them and essentially living a life, a secluded life away from the real world, which is actually in the middle of a city, but it was a little village with a wall around it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's just so restrictive because you're not prepared for the real world. You know what I mean? Because the real right. world is very different to what you were living, you know, although quite... Yeah. Innocent in some sense, uh, very patriarchal, obviously, quite innocent, and, and uh, obviously women treated like second-class citizens, essentially.
2: Hmm. Right, right. And, you know, I've come to realize that there's so many other perspectives in the world, and, you know, whether somebody does identify with a faith or not, there's a way to do it that's not restrictive, and yeah, there's a way to course. do it that is very restrictive. But I mean, all faiths are supposed to
0: be, um, allegedly, I, I'm not a believer in God personally myself, but I know that people would yeah, say to me yeah. <laughs> that God gives you free will or religion should give you free will. That certainly wasn't mm-hmm. what you had, but was free will. So when when did you decide th- this was having a negative effect on your life? At what age were you when you felt it was having a negative effect on your life and you needed to get out?
2: Well, you know, I think I always knew that there was a negative effect, but I didn't know how to articulate that. I didn't know what something different could be. And a lot of times I just thought like, this does not feel good, but I deserve it. And this is how life has to be because this is quote God's way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I got out of an abusive relationship that I was courting a guy and, um, After that, I went through the typical PTSD symptoms um, that you have after a a abusive toxic relationship. And even then, I didn't really change my mind. I just thought that was a fluke. Um, But about a year after that, somebody who briefly visited my church and said, this is not for me, (laughs) we became friends. And she invited me to a coffee shop where there was a guy there that she introduced me to. And he talked to me about equality for women. And at first, I thought he was trying to lead me astray. And I, you know, wanted to debate him and tell him why, you know, women's equality wasn't right. And all okay. things. But Yeah.
0: All the things that you don't believe in now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Right. And so, um, anyway, um, I ended up trying to study to have a debate with him. But I knew to be a good debater you have to study the opposition's point of view so you know it better than they do so you can just kick the legs out from underneath them when you debate. Well, the debate didn't have to happen because when I started studying outside of the books that um, my church liked and believed in and that my family liked and believed in, I saw other points of view from a religious, a sociological, a Mm. science view that equality for women is a lot safer and, you know, yeah. Patriarchy had a lot to do with the pain I'd experienced, um, and so that was the start of my questioning. And let's just say it did not go over well when I started voicing my new opinions. No, I was going to say
0: when you when always, you went back home and started voicing your opinions to the elders, so to speak. Uh, and I mean, I wouldn't imagine that went down very well. All of a sudden, you're seen as this little rebel.
2: Right, exactly, and even that word "rebel" that was there was kind of a code word rebel or rebellious is sort of a code word in our group so we were told that rebellion meant that it was equal to the sin of witchcraft and so if you were rebellious it was equal to the sin of witchcraft and they believed that witchcraft was alliance with the devil and alliance with the devil got you cast into hell so when people started telling me I was rebellious it wasn't just like oh you have different thoughts kind of rebellion but it was this whole indictment against who I was. Um, and did and, you get punished you know, by the way? Would
0: you would you be punished um, within the church if you did something rebellious or if you did something against the church that was wrong? Were you punished? Because I remember many years ago I spoke to the members of the Westboro Baptist Church I don't know if you're familiar with the Westboro mm-hmm. West Baptist Church. Um, yes. very, very strict regime as well. I spoke to somebody who had escaped from the Westboro Baptist Church and she was telling me even right up to the age of like 16 or 17 when she was uh, misbehaving or she was seen to be misbehaving, like one day she wore a skirt that her father thought was too short Mm -hmm. and he put her over Mm -hmm. his knee with a paddle and spanked her. Mm -hmm. And i was going at 17 and she went, yeah, that's just what they do. You know, Mm -hmm. and that that kind of punishment that's in the Bible, so to speak. Um, Was was there any punishments given out to girls or boys? Um, Not
2: quite like that there have been different stories that I have heard that were quite cruel to people. Um, and I hesitate to tell some of those just because other abuse survivors are involved and I don't want to share okay, their stories. Yeah, that's understandable. But what I will say is the church, um, practiced something called church discipline. And there was a multi-step process that could basically get you excommunicated. And, mm. um, before I started being very public about my beliefs, um, I, um, asked to, well, I said, I wanted to leave the church and, um, get my membership revoked. And they said they'd have to vote on it to see if I could be <laughs> my membership <laughs> oh, wow. revoked. Okay. And yeah. Thankfully, thankfully I hadn't been too vocal and they, um, you know, thought I was, you know, just going to go to another similar church, I think. Um, and so I got out, but other people, um, like it, You know, it's possible. I was going to to say, what happened if they vote no? What do you do then?
0: I mean, I'm assuming you can still leave. I know,
2: that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know what happens, but I do remember that there were people who had had, um, you know, uh, my understanding was it was consensual sex as, you know, a a married Mm. person that was shamed in front of the church. And then I've definitely heard stories of people who um, experienced sexual abuse that were shamed in um, mm-hmm. the school and those types of things. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, the punishments that I saw were not physical, but there was a lot of emotional wow. um, and, this, you know, kind of community shaming that would happen if you stepped out of line.
0: In most cults that I've heard of, you know, the, the kind of stricter ones that we've ever spoken to people, mm-hmm. there was a lot of sexual abuse and people taking advantage of mm-hmm. young women, et cetera, et cetera, particularly older men. Was that kind of stuff happening mm-hmm. within the church?
2: Um, again, I don't want to tell other survivor stories, but I have been told multiple stories that sexual abuse did happen mm. and um, was not properly addressed yeah. um, or reported to the police. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so getting back to this debate, you so you wanted to debate this guy, you start reading you started to realize <laughs> yeah. there's more to life than you know uh, allowing myself to be uh, to believe that my only purpose in life is to have babies <laughs> and there's more right. to life for the, for a woman so you what happened then did you actually debate the guy by the way did you did you end up having a debate with him
2: no i didn't because the research convinced me i came to a place where i realized i was wrong and i'd basically been lied to you know my whole <laughs> life about um what was expected of me and the things that I I'd always had some natural leadership abilities and leadership roles for women you know were very limited in the church and you definitely couldn't have the higher levels of leadership um and I began realizing that that had all just been a ruse to control women and um so I started changing ideologically I talked to my family about it and like I said they were not they Uh, were not thrilled no, um, <laughs> I
0: imagine. But, particularly I imagine your father would be less thrilled than your yeah. mother. Yeah, maybe your mother was secretly was um, excited were, for you.
2: I don't, that was not the impression I got. I felt that both of them were okay. Um, definitely upset.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, and my grandfather as well. That's that's how I felt. Um,
0: what would you have done, and, Ashley, if they had know, a said if they had a said no? We don't want you to do this.
2: Um, well, I mean, they, they didn't want me to do it. And I, I just kind of gave an ultimatum where I said, um, you know, I don't really feel prepared to go out in the world and live on my own. And I know you don't want me to leave yet, but if you don't start treating me like an adult, I will leave. And I think that scared them. Okay. And so for a couple of months, we had this <laughs> agreement that did not work very well but it was like when you're physically in our house you have to obey our rules but if you step outside the door do what you want um you do what you want but that doesn't really work because your life overlaps yeah (laughs) of course you know yeah um but in that time I started sneaking out and going to like the movie theater for the first time and I started going on real dates Wow. um and (laughs) I started being very rebellious and going swing dancing and listening to Taylor Swift.
0: <laughs> I was going <laughs> oh, to mention dance. Taylor Swift earlier on. I don't know why she came into my head <laughs> earlier on. But so in other words, <laughs> do you go from one extreme then to the other to almost overcompensate?
2: You know, I don't think that, that I really did. I think they would see me as going to extremes because they saw going swing dancing, Regular dating without, you know, having parental involvement, listening to Taylor Swift, going to movie theater, all that stuff, they would see as very rebellious because they had said those kinds of things were off limits. Yeah, that's but the devil's work. But you compare work. that yeah. to the rest of society, that's, that's very tame. Like, parents would be very happy if their children... We'll go to see Taylor Swift rather than 50
0: voice. Cent or something like that, yeah, yeah. or Snoop Dogg. <laughs> um, that would have threw your parents completely <laughs> over the edge altogether. You want to see Snoop Dogg? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that would have been a little much for them. So, um, so then did you,
0: know, you eventually liked- leave the house then? Because obviously that was becoming awkward. As you said, it was overlapping in your life, your home life. Did you eventually leave the house then?
2: Well, what actually happened was in my date, um, the friend that took me to the coffee shop, her mom actually introduced me to a different guy, not the one I met at the coffee shop. And um, we met each other and he um, is just an amazing man, and he really, like, physically rescued me. So, like, being able to get married to him gave me a smooth way out. Okay. Otherwise, I did fear that I would become homeless and have to live in my car because the tension was becoming so great. Um, mm-hmm. But even though I changed ideologically, like, I, I didn't know how to operate in the real world. And so finding him and marrying for love, but also kind of just escape my marrying him was was amazing and um you know not long after we got married i went no contact with most of my family um just things just they would not support me when i started talking about the experiences that i'd had and telling the truth about what i had gone through um but You know, the the dating experience with my husband is kind of a funny story, though, because I never dated (laughs) like for for real, for real.
1: What do you mean you never dated for real? For real.
2: (laughs) Right. I had to go to Google and figure out how you kiss. Um, Oh no! You know, look up the steps, and I remember the WikiHow page said. Okay, you stick your tongue in, but you don't flick it like a snake and like touch
1: <laughs> fish. And I to remember. I oh, good, how old daughter. were you at this
0: stage, Ashley? How old were you now at this stage?
2: I was. Uh, I married him at twenty-two. We met at twenty-one when I was twenty-one. Um, so
0: you were looking at so, Wikipedia on yeah. how to kiss at twenty-one years of age.
2: Yes, yes, mm. and there's lots of things is Isn't that sexuality? so sad? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? So. Needless to say, like getting married was a big game changer um, for me. And he's been such an amazing man because he's treated me as an equal, which I hadn't experienced before. But he also gave me the safe place to kind of learn about the outside world. He's older than me, so he knew things about the world that he could kind of introduce me to. Like he brought me my first drink of alcohol. I never had alcohol before. That was totally banned. Um, he's taken me traveling and just encouraged me to okay, go. Okay, so your, par- your parents must have thought
0: this money. guy was the devil, yeah, because he was getting you to do the all devil. these things.
2: You know, at first they really liked him, but I just didn't tell him, um, tell them about all the things he was mm-hmm. doing for me. So yeah, um, kind of a lot of the dating stuff was secret. Like, I don't think that they knew that we kissed before we got married because that was one of the rules. Um you weren't supposed to kiss until the altar. Um and so I, I can like understand I can understand
0: some religions believe in no sex before marriage, obviously. Um but but mm-hmm. not kissing before marriage, that's
1: quite strict, no isn't kissing, it? No kissing,
2: no dancing, um, side hugs were preferred to front hugs. Um in my previous relationship before my husband, um holding hands was off limits for several months. And then I only had like a short front hug with him when I got engaged. Again, this is not my husband, but the guy before. Um, And so like, even just the hug could be like only very rarely used. And um, yeah, just, just very restrictive in those ways. And one thing I want to say about cults is people often picture people in wild compounds mm. where they can't see the outside world at all. But cults actually exist on a spectrum. And um, a cult falls under the bite model, um, which yeah. is a kind of a, a thing to help you understand if it's a controlling cult-like group. And um, Stephen Hafson came up with a bite model. But basically, the four categories of the bite model are behavior control, and there's a long list of what that entails. Information control, there's, there's a long list on the chart for that. Thought control and emotional control. And if you have a bunch of those together, then that um, that's what makes up a cult. And it can be an imprisonment but aren't of the all, mind, aren't, even if you go to Walmart. Yeah, know?
0: absolutely. But aren't all religions, to some degree, I remember reading, uh, watching a great documentary about religions once and cults and all this kind of thing. All religions to some degree are cults because they all have a level of mind control even the religions that would be very more, much more popular nowadays of course you know there you, you know you indoctrinate children at a very young age into believing a certain ethos or a certain way of life so so all religions are essentially cults but we we associate cults with being something more extreme i suppose the word cult with just being something more extreme well the
2: way i would look at it is like this um most religions do have some type of controlling factor in them,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but what makes something the definition of cult that I would use is a high control group that manipulates its members through exploitation and it can exist on a spectrum from overt to um, subtly dangerous and anywhere in between. Um, it's really my definition of a cult really focuses on the manipulation and exploitation of members. And so while we may not agree with certain religious practices and there may be some levels of control in a lot of different religions, it becomes a cult when there's the manipulation and exploitation of its members and when it's like causing harm. Yeah. Um, because you could use a very broad definition to fit, any group into the cult category. But what I focus on is the ones that are destructive and um, mm-hmm. causing harm. Because if you think about it, an exercise group, you know, some of those can become high control cult-like groups, but other ones could be, yeah, we have some rules you follow, but if you leave, you don't experience shunning or, you know, um, mm. there's no sexual abuse happening, you know? So it's it's kind of one of those things where, I prefer to lean on what the experts call a cult and um, look at some other groups as maybe having some controlling factors that are they exploiting, manipulating their members and causing harm. Um, that's kind of more what I would look at for a cult definition. So
0: how are things now? Are you, well, I know I know you're a TEDx speaker and you're also a television producer, but you're also the founder mm-hmm. of CEO or CEO of Courage365. So you basically support and help other people who've been survivors of abuse, especially those harmed in situations like yours, you know, in a faith context.
2: Yes. So um, Courage 365 is my nonprofit that I help abuse survivors. We are a 501c3 in the United States, so we do serve um, other people around uh, the world. And we really focus on giving people tools for healing and education. We're not a direct services organization where we help with the escapes or with the um, like direct crisis. We kind of take the step after because what happens is when somebody leaves, they're leaving behind their whole community, whether it's because of a high control, you know. But you're socially conditioned. It's
0: it's very hard, isn't it? Because if you've been with a cult Mm -hmm. for, you know, 18 or 20 years, and you escape Mm -hmm. that. When I say escape, that's almost like an invisible wall. Mm -hmm. When you're escaping, you're you're, you're, you're kind of socially conditioned.
2: Yes, yes. And even with things that aren't related to a cult, but maybe somebody experienced sexual abuse or domestic violence, a lot of times they lose their entire communities too when they speak up, particularly if the abusive person is well-known in their community. And so we kind of focus on things like, here's how to uh, find a therapist or here are some tools to calm your body. If you're having a panic attack Um, here's some educational resources on um, how you can understand what happened to you. We also have a big focus on community. So we have a Facebook group and a daily text message thread where people can receive supportive messages. Every day just to kind of empower them. This Christmas season, we've collected a lot of holiday gifts to send to survivors who are disconnected from their families Mm -hmm. along with, um, you know, resources. Um, Because the holidays can be hard, especially if you're disconnected from, you know, family or community that you once had. And So, yeah, we we focus on education, community, and free resources. Yeah, because a lot of the time, I suppose, uh, when
0: people leave cults, they become disowned, I suppose, to some degree, don't they?
2: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, Yeah. like for me, I, for years, um, was not in contact with um, family. And um, Mm -hmm. then, you know, for other people, whether it's a cult or not, like I said, if they speak up about other types of abuse, they can also... Experience shunning, whether it's by their faith community or by their family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a shocking story, um, you know. And obviously, you've experienced it, you've lived it, and I'm out, I'm glad you're out the other side and living in the normal, if you want to call it the normal world. Now, there's nothing yeah. normal. <laughs> there's nothing normal about this world. Trust me. And um, we all have to nav- <laughs> we all have to navigate our way through it in some way or another. But I, I it, it, it right. does. It is quite disturbing that we see that the majority of cults. Um, treat women particularly so badly, um, you know mm-hmm. they they kind of gender stereotype of women. You know your places in the kitchen and cook the dinner and do what men yeah. tell you. And that that I mean it's so sad to see that women are in that position. The year twenty twenty three, um, that women are in that position. Mm-hmm. But you know who am I to get involved in their in their lives? But they have to make that decision to leave, just like you did, to make that decision to get out into the real world. Um, but listen, it's been very interesting listening to your story. If people want to get more information, by the way, where where can they go? Where's the best place to send them to if they want to get more information?
2: Um, I would encourage them to go to courage365.org. So C-O-U-R-A-G-E, number three, number six, number five, um, dot org. And then if they want to find me on Facebook, they can search for Ashley M. Easter. And um, I share a lot of things there, both about my coaching and also about my advocacy work. Mm -hmm. Um, But those would be the best places. To
0: find. Okay, so Ashley M. Easter on Facebook, or you can go to courage365.org online and you can get more information. Ashley, it's been lovely talking to you. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you're you a very so inspiring much. person. I'm sure you're helping a lot more people now uh, to get out of the situation that you were in as well. Listen, thank you very much indeed.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Now, now
1: real people, real opinions, nighttime talk with Niall Boylan, Ireland's classic hits radio.